Pen Weekly. This episode was previously taped on June 4th, 2013. And we'd like to thank our sponsors, 33clip.com, the ultimate sports media social networking website. Hey, welcome to Penn Weekly. Welcome back after a two-week hiatus. And we're here on June 4th, and right now we have Sun Penn on the line. Sun, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Right now, it looks like the NBA Finals is finally upon us, and right now we have a marquee matchup. The Miami Heat versus the San Antonio Spurs. It looks like it's going to be a pretty competitive finals for once. And being in San Antonio right now, what's the pulse of the Spurs right now, son? I couldn't tell you the pulse of the Spurs, but I could tell you the pulse of the city. That is, almost every Spurs fan thinks that they will beat the Heat rather easily, maybe five or six games. They're pretty confident that their style of play is no match for the the, the Heat, how they play. And uh, also that if the Heat do win, it'll be because of referees and the NBA conspiring against them. <laughs> oh, that's stupid. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of times people just think the NBA is out to get the Spurs. Uh, you know, I guess the Spurs won four championships in spite of the NBA's conspiracy. Is that what they think? Yeah, a lot of people say think that there's a – I don't say everybody, but a lot of people think that there's a small town or a small market bias and the NBA doesn't want to see teams like the Spurs do well, but the thing is that they've won four championships and uh, they, they've done pretty well, and if the refs are really out to get them, they wouldn't have won so many titles, especially in 99 when they swept the New York Knicks, who playing the biggest market in the the country. Yeah, it, that's a little bit far-fetched. You know, just this uh, little man, this disease, this city, <laughs> I guess yeah. They, I think that they, they feel that they don't get enough attention. They don't. They don't. And and it's and I can tell you why. And and they can tell you why. And here's the reason. Okay, the Spurs, they're a really good team. They play the right way. They play beautiful basketball. And if you're a big basketball junkie and you, you know, like to watch aesthetically pleasing basketball, you know, it's the Spurs. But the problem is, is that they're the boringest, least personality team in the league. Nobody on that team looks like they ever smile, get excited, or <laughs> get confrontational with anybody. It's it's just like watching a, a piece of vanilla. It's, it's so boring, their personality. And, you know, it might be a good thing, uh, for winning, but boring for watching. Well, I don't, I don't know what a piece of vanilla is, but yeah, I, I, I was gonna say pretty much the same thing that they don't have compelling storylines or superstars. But I also think that's by design. I think that's how the Spurs organization wants their uh, players to be. Uh, how, how they want them to act that way, and 
I think they, they're fine with the perception that there is a compelling storyline out of them. They just want to stay out of the spotlight and not have so many distractions and, and just play basketball. And, you know, that's really the reason why uh, I think that there's this uh, perception of them being a boring team and a team that nobody wants to see. But I do agree that they do play really good basketball, and I do think it's interesting and exciting. But like I said, it's it's not compelling as far as personalities go. There, there are the big personalities like a Kobe or a Carmelo uh, on this team. Yeah, you know, I'm starting to think it's like a Jedi mind trick. Like, Pop wants them to have no personality, so that way he could go back and say, nobody's paying attention to us. We have this constant chip on their shoulder, but they're the ones who are creating this perception themselves, and he uses that perception to motivate his team and the city. But really, he's creating this. It's, it's just so tricky. Yeah, I, I do think there is a lot of. Uh, I like it. I do think a lot of it's intentional. Uh, you know that makes me even angrier, and it makes me angry that the fans don't see it. They don't want the attention, but they they want it. the Spurs don't want it. The fans want it, and they think it's the media's <laughs> fault, but it's the Spurs' fault. You know, they should be angry at their own team. Uh, well. I don't know if they're angry. Well, I guess maybe angry, maybe annoyed, but yeah. I don't know. It's it's really more conjecture, but I don't know if we could prove it either way. Uh, yeah, just, you know, uh, full disclosure, uh, the Spurs might be my least favorite team in the league. <laughs> so I have a question for you then. Who are you rooting for in the finals, the Spurs or the Heat? Ah, uh, you know... If it wasn't the Spurs, I, I'd root against the Heat. But I'm actually rooting for the Heat to beat the Spurs <laughs> and once for under, and once for all give Tim Duncan his first final loss and uh, Kobe Bryant the champion of best players in his generation. Yeah, I you know Bill Simmons, uh, he said that Tim Duncan is the best player of the generation. I mean, I, I probably think that's your answer, but. Make the case for Kobe Bryant uh, as, you know, I haven't heard it from big media outlets of why Kobe Bryant. I've heard from people like Bill Simmons and Steve Kerr say why Tim Duncan is. I want to hear the argument why Kobe is the greatest player of his generation. Well, you just want to look at, if you just want to look at numbers, points per game, he's fourth all-time in scoring. Um you know, he has five championships. He's been, uh, you know, look at the All-Stars, look at the All-Defense team, All-NBA team. I mean, they he beats Tim Duncan in every single statistical category and recognition category other than MVPs and finals MVPs. But, you know, you look at All-Stars, All-NBAs, points, assists, steals, even the number of times Kobe Bryant has been in the uh, all-defensive team, more than Tim Duncan, which is incredibly surprising. <laughs> so, And Kobe has the extra championship over Tim Duncan, and he's been to the finals two more times. Uh, and if you 
you know, one of Trump Kobe's uh, career, you know, he's he's played in more big games. He's played in a brighter spotlight. He's had more controversy in his career, and he's still been able to overcome everything and, you know, continues to be a great player, you know. Um, so, you know, who would you rather pick to start uh, a team with? Yeah, that's hard. That's a harder question because, uh, you know, you always want to pick size. And, uh, you know, Tim Duncan, you know, is a wonderful cornerstone of a player. But, you know, if you want to talk about the generation's best, uh, it's, it's Kobe Bryant by very not by very much, but enough to say um, that he is. I mean, I don't think it's a, a clear-cut favorite because um, Tim Duncan's had a great career, four championships, great teammate, developed a culture, and the fact that he's been in the finals 14 years apart is amazing. But if you look at Tim Duncan's past five years in his career, he was you know, the team's second-best player, and there are years where he averaged less than 14 points a game two years ago. And then uh, the year before that, he didn't average more than 14. So just because Tim Duggan had a great season this year, everyone thinks he had, you know, he's been super consistent previously. But in reality, the past, the year before this year, the past three years, he's been maybe the Spurs. He's for sure been the Spurs' second best player, but Monty might even be the third best player on the Spurs at that time. So uh, you could never say that about Kobe Bryant because he spent his entire career, other than his you know rookie year, averaging more than 18 points a game. Okay, what about the two arguments that Tim Duncan's winning percentage is somewhere around 70 percent, 700, and that Kobe had few lean years when after Shaq left. Uh, that's true. That's true. Um, Tim Duncan's a great winner, and Kobe Bryant did have those bad years. One of those years, he was injured. Um, so we could throw out that year. And then the other two years, he played with Kwame Brown and Smush Parker. Now, you, know, you could say Tim Duncan did have a great supporting cast, but he's always played with a, a future Hall of Famer, Dave Robinson. And he's always had Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili on the team ever since 2002. So, you know, let, you know, they say, oh, they weren't Hall of Famers back then. But they were still talented players. And, you know, it's not like they became Hall of Famers all of a sudden. They've always had this talent. So... If you want to call these guys Hall of Famers today, you have to call them Hall of Famers back then as well. So, Tim Duncan's always played with Hall of Famers. Here's the argument that Kobe had some lean years. He was playing with really bad players, and he actually got a team that, like you said, started Smush Parker. I mean, their third best player was either Luke Walton or Kwame Brown on the team that went to the uh, playoffs um, where they went seven games with Phoenix and they went one Tim Thomas three pointer away from actually advancing to the second round. And that team, <laughs> that 06 team, 
Who was the third best player? Who would you say? It was it was probably Smush Parker behind Lamar Odom. Yeah, Lamar Odom was definitely the second best player, but you think Smush Parker was the third best? Well, he was the third leading scorer. He averaged 11 points a game. Um, maybe Brian Cook? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. That that Kobe carried that team, basically, to the seventh game of the first round. It doesn't sound like much, but... When your third best player is, you're trying to make an argument that call me Brown or, or, or Luke Walton. <laughs> I mean, it's it's quite. I actually think it's quite an accomplishment how far he took that team. Uh, it's it's, it's incredible. Yeah, I don't think he gets enough credit for that. Also, I think that Kobe has been more dynamic of a player. He's worked harder, he stayed on top of his game or how many years in a row, almost his whole career except for maybe his rookie year, he's been in the top 10 of players last maybe 10 years he's been top 5 but Tim Duncan, people forget the last 3 years Yeah, the the last 3 years before this year, he was pretty, uh, I don't know if he was injured or not, but he he didn't play like he did this this year, let's just say that oh no, no This year's more of a resurgence, so Tim Duncan also had some lean years in him as well. Let's not forget that, but, you know, I I think it's close. Tim Duncan, you know, probably a better teammate, but, uh, you know, I'd have to say Kobe. I'd say Kobe, you know, it's biased, I know, but I think Kobe's the best player of his generation, and I think any argument against it is maybe an anti-Kobe more than a pro-Duncan argument. Right. And, you know, Duncan has, has a lot of accomplishments. He has the two MVPs, and he's never lost in the finals. Um, but, you know, Duncan's last peak was maybe, what, 07, 08? And ever since then, he's uh, he's been on a downward spiral until this year, and uh, he might uh, might be taking PEDs. I don't know. what He's, he's supposedly... <laughs> Has no cartilage in his left knee for the past three years, and somehow this year he looks fine. <laughs> yeah, who knows? I'm not going to speculate. I mean, Kobe Bryant may well just as well be as uh, guilty uh, as any, any other player. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if Kobe is. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't either. Um, as competitive as he is, and as well as he was playing this last year. Uh, <laughs> seems like he got a more athletic in his 17th year. <laughs> yeah, um, he got more athletic. The past three years, he wasn't that athletic. <laughs> well, who knows what happened? <laughs> um, but Tim Duncan is. is so, anyway, this uh, I mean. Anyway, this turned into a Tim Duncan, Kobe Bryant podcast. But uh, how about the what about the Heat and the Spurs in the finals? I was. Too much of a tangent there. Uh, all right. Um, yeah, I just had so much uh, spurs spurs on my mind. <laughs> but it's going to be a great series. Um, yeah, it's all about matchups, and and it looks like the Spurs match up really, really well against the Heat. They have the size, and they could rebound against the Heat, which is something that the Heat struggle with. But the only thing that 
the Spurs cannot match up with is the league's best player in LeBron James. And um, I'm always surprised when LeBron James loses. I can't believe he lost three games against the Pacers. I think he was pretty good, but yeah, I, I didn't think they were going to win that series. I was hoping, but I didn't really think they were going to win it. Oh, no, I'd never thought it was in question. I just thought, you know, it just depended if Dwayne Wade and Chris Posh wanted to play or not, and that's, that's yes, so hard to overcome. Yeah, so I think the Spurs, you know, they play uh, such beautiful basketball, you know, this constant movement, um, you know, quick athletic players on the perimeter with size and middle, you know, a great coach. I think they'll give the Heat all they can handle, but, you know, when you have LeBron James, it's almost too much to overcome. Yeah, people forget how good LeBron James is. This is a, a guy who, you know, I, I, I you know, there are comments by Joe Theismann that said he could probably play quarterback after he retired from basketball, and I kind of don't doubt it. I, you know, it kind of sounded like LeBron James himself thought he could do it as well. And, yeah, why not? People kept thinking he was a tight end, but 6'8", quarterback, 260 pounds, running read option. I think he could do it. <laughs> ah, for sure. This guy is just so athletic strong. His vision's just amazing. You know, his passing. It, it, I, you know, everything, there's not a weakness in his game anymore. It's incredible. Well, yeah, there really isn't. I mean, there are things that he doesn't do as well, or he's not at the elite level. But he does it pretty good at still, like, post-game. He's still pretty good. Post-defense, still Uh-oh. pretty good. Uh, but this guy, yeah, as a three-point shooting, is a left, 40%. He's a left-handed hook so. shot. Where did this <laughs> Well, he is. He said he's almost better with his left than his right hand. Incredible. Um and then you have Dwayne Wade, who um, everyone forgets is uh, an elite player. And, yeah, so there's so much uh, – you know, it's going to be really exciting. I'm excited to see the Spurs actually play in the finals that I'm willing to watch. Well, I like the but, uh, Spurs series. I did. I, I liked that a long time ago because I was still actually um, – you know, I was a big Knicks fan back then, but – what do you think is going to happen in this series? I think that the Heat will win the series in six games, maybe seven. I'll say six. Right. Yeah, it's all about matchups. What's the best matchup uh, you're looking most forward to? Best matchup? Uh, well, yeah. I'm always curious how our teams are going to defend LeBron James and James's reaction to everything. Uh, I, I, I like seeing. You know, maybe Kawhi Leonard, see he can get to that level of uh, defending that Paul George got to in the last series against LeBron James. I'm always excited to see that. Um, I am excited to see how Tim Duncan does against uh, the, what he does in the post. I mean, this year we actually didn't really see a game with both teams playing their best players. So kind of unexpected that's going to happen how they're going to play each other. That would be exciting. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. I mean, you know, Tony Parker is 
uh, on fire right now. And I'm excited to see if LeBron James is going to guard Parker in the fourth quarter. And, uh, you know, as much as I'm a LeBron hater, I really like watching LeBron play and um, just seeing him play defense, just dominating both sides of the ball. And, uh, you know, my secret wish is to see him fail in the fourth quarter. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that doesn't happen very often. Oh, really? I didn't know you hated LeBron. I like LeBron, actually. I think he's a really good player. I think it's funny that people still don't think LeBron James is the best player in the NBA and that he's just a I know. Uh, it's nuts. But, and I, I know people who still think that. And, uh, I just, I'm just curious of how he's going to do it. So, only thing is, I just don't want LeBron James to be too dominant or he starts catching up to, uh, you know, the greats and titles. And that I kind of do wish that he does fail in Miami so that he considers going to the Lakers in two years. <laughs> uh, maybe. He could succeed and still go. Who, who knows what this guy? This guy wants to be a billion-dollar athlete. Yeah, I really do hope LeBron James comes to the Lakers, but yeah, uh, that probably won't happen. <laughs> yeah, I don't think. I don't know. I mean, he's just such an amazing player. His head almost hit the rim on alley dunk. He had to avoid it. <laughs> it was incredible. It wasn't. It wasn't just his head. It was like. Like the bridge of his nose. <laughs> I mean, he had to like turn his head, like uh, when a tall guy has to enter a, a small doorway. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, he, you know, unbelievable athlete. Probably never seen another athlete like that. Another twenty years, maybe, until yeah, China clones a, or genetically engineers a basketball player. <laughs> <laughs> You think uh, uh, you think China's like taking a construct of LeBron James and like, they're like making one in, in the lab right now or something? No, <laughs> uh, they they're for sure trying something. You know, they they're scientists working on gene pools. <laughs> uh, they're for sure using Yao Ming's DNA for something. They're across free I mean, LeBron James to create the seven five uh, point. Uh, yeah, um, this guy is, uh, 
he's like uh, Magic Johnson with Michael Jordan's scoring ability. Um, as good as Kobe Bryant is, you know, LeBron James is clearly uh, has better vision and passing ability than Kobe Bryant ever had. So, yeah. So regardless of the titles LeBron has, whether it's one, two, three, or you know, you still think he'll go down as a great player than Kobe Bryant, as long as he has less championships than Kobe Bryant. Uh, it's tough to say. I mean, LeBron's already lost two championships. That's that's a lot already. That's as many as Kobe. And Kobe has five, and LeBron, you know, his, his peak is here, but, you know, I don't know how long his athletic ability is going to stay with him. So maybe three more years? Oh, maybe five. <laughs> you think he'll have that type of athleticism for five more years? Uh, well, is he 28? Yeah, he's 28. I'd say till he's 32, so four more years. I, I think 31, where we start seeing a decline. But right now, he's uh, he's just a brick wall. And I, I don't know. I mean, LeBron James has four MVPs. <laughs> James probably should have won Defensive Player of the Year. They'll win it for sure next year. He, he's motivated. Um, he wants that Defensive Player of the Year. You think he can win eight MVPs? Eight MVPs? No, I don't. I don't think he'll win any. But I think I think we'll get the end of his peak in two more years. But he can win at least two more MVPs. Oh, who's going to win MVP over him next year? <laughs> No, though. Maybe, maybe There's Kevin nobody. Durant, but it's it's so clear that Kevin Durant is not on LeBron's level. Kevin Durant had his best year this year by far. Shot 40, he went 50, 40, 90. That wasn't even close to being the second best, I mean, being the MVP this year. Uh, not even close. It's, the gap between him and LeBron is amazing, okay? There's no one close. Oh, that's if Kevin Durant. There's, yeah, if Kevin Durant can start ball handling like LeBron, or passing like LeBron, or playing defense like LeBron, or rebounding like LeBron, then we could talk. There's just so many things. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Kevin Durant is probably the, you know, everybody arguably the second best player in the league, and. Already has no chance of winning the MVP next year, and uh, you know he could, LeBron could really go on a run of winning the next three MVPs easily. Oh, easily. He could end up with seven. He might be able to get that eighth one as well. Oh, that's incredible! Eight MVPs. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. That being said. <laughs> I mean, let's not crown him already. Uh, you know, he still has to beat the Spurs this year. But it, it's it's fairly clear that the Heat are heavy favorites. Yeah. I know. At the same time, I wouldn't be super surprised if the Spurs won the series because they have been playing together longer and Dwayne Wade is he's either injured or not as 
you know, he's maybe not as engaged as he would be if he was the number one option. Uh, so they might be able to take him out. Bosch is could be negated by the the size underneath and smarter defensive players. Um, so I don't know. Spurs can do it, but it would be a total team effort if they did. Yeah, you'd have to see a breakout star like, you know, Kawhi Leonard coming out and scoring 20 points a game. Um, but the Spurs have the right type of offense to beat the Heat uh, attack yeah. attack style because the way to break them down is to pass the ball and to have shooters on the outside. And that's what the Spurs have. They have excellent passing and excellent shooting. Something to break down their trapping style of defense, but, um, you know, they have LeBron James. Yeah, I think I like what Reggie Miller called him during the game. He called him the nuclear weapon LeBron James. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's a pretty good nickname. He called him, they have a nuclear weapon in LeBron James. I think that's what he should be yeah, called. He's just like, I mean, you can do anything, but they got this nuclear weapon on their side. You can't do anything about that. <laughs> you can't do anything about this guy. It's, you know, they can, they have the best schemes to beat this defense. They got an offense to match. Um, you know, but, you know, and I think they're both really similar offensively. They're both good passing teams, both good shooting teams. It's just that, you know, you know, uh, the Spurs nuclear weapons. They don't. They don't have one. They have a. Uh, they have a uh, cap gun to Tony Parker. And then, yeah, they have a bunch of automatic rifles, and they got, you know, a bunch of Tomahawk missiles, maybe. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, they're like in the, like India or Pakistan, still testing them out or something. <laughs> yeah, they're they're yeah. It's, um, deterrence. Yes, yeah, that's a pretty good way of uh, putting it. It's, it could be like Vietnam, though, and just take over. Oh, <laughs> uh, they have some guerrilla warfare stuff, and uh, <laughs> just overwhelm them. The reason, uh, not to get a history lesson, but even why the Vietnamese won the war, you know, they were just more determined. They just wanted it more. If yeah, well, maybe if the Spurs want more, they could beat the Heat, but it looks like uh, not stopping LeBron, not, not, no referees, uh, no Roy Hibbert, I, no. Well, actually, I think if it, I think if LeBron gets one more technical, he, uh, he is suspended one game. Really? I believe so. I think I read that, but I might, I might have misread that, but I think I read that. Oh, oh that's nuts. If that happens. Yeah. Can you imagine that? Oh. The NBA for sure is rigged. I don't know what the Spurs fan would say about that. LeBron James got suspended. (laughs) (laughs) Or what the Spurs fan would say if LeBron does something that warrants a technical, but he doesn't get it. Oh, I'd be happy. (laughs) Who wants to see this? (laughs) You well, sometimes you need that conspiracy theory. You need that guy in the corner telling them, no. 
Yeah, uh, it'll be very interesting if that situation uh, comes about. Uh, I guess I guess the only question is um, left is uh, in game uh, after game six. Well, anybody on the Spurs, if it's tied three three after game six. Heading home to Miami, uh, they're going to go play Miami Game Seven. Is there anybody on the Spurs uh, going to use the phrase "no homo"? Uh, no, I don't think so. But if you had to guess a person on the team who would say it, who would you guess? <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> I just <laughs> I'm not bothered to say that. Maybe Gary Neal. <laughs> Gary Neal. Just the loose cannon. Bob Fitch is never allowed. One of their players to start a controversy right before game seven. <laughs> Dan, maybe Danny Green? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. None of these guys, I don't think, I've never heard any of these guys talk besides Tony Parker. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you've heard. T- I don't not know anything about the Spurs. I know you've heard Ginobili's Duncan talk. <laughs> I I can't I I I think uh I can only imagine Duncan staring blankly and mumbling. <laughs> I can't remember him talking. He, he talks a lot. So does Ginobili. Ginobili has his accent, but uh, maybe Ginobili. These guys have never said anything interesting in their entire lives as basketball players. Uh. Yeah, well, they're they're probably told not to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know, I know. It's sad, but it helps them win. I guess that's that's their culture, and that that's their winning culture. To, uh, not to say crazy stuff after a game, and then uh, have that the focus yeah. for the next couple of days. You know, maybe Tracy McGrady would be the one who said it. <laughs> oh, they. I think Popovich knew Stephen Jackson would. That's why they cut him two games before the uh, playoffs. <laughs> Yeah, it's great. Uh, I can't really get cut him, but it worked out. So, it doesn't matter. Oh, he knew it. Anyway, uh, but I don't think that's the reason why the Patriots lost, but a distraction like that, you know, especially uh, with the uh, Grand Hill commercial coming up and, uh, and uh, Jason Collins coming up. So, it's just not the right time to say that, but that's uh, not. You know, um, you know, they're actually, I don't know if you've seen them, but they're actually clips of LeBron James saying it during an interview. Same with Andrew Bynum. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, the, you know, I honestly never thought that phrase was ever offensive. Uh, you know, it just, it just reminds, I think it's the same type of thing Seinfeld said when he says, not that there's anything wrong with that. Um, you know, I think it's the same type of uh, sentiment, but you know, it's. Uh, I think they're a little bit overly sensitive right now. Yeah, um, you know when uh, when Jason Collins gets a call from Barack Obama, it might be a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. I mean. Uh, 
think my prediction is going to be the Heat and six. And you're Heat and six. Uh, yeah, you got to let us know what the Spurs fans out there are feeling. Right now, they're super overconfident. Uh, they did just beat the Grizzlies, one of the best defenses in the league. Uh, just really con- confounded them. So, we'll see if the Heat, uh, if they could do that to the Heat. We'll see. So, um, any any uh, last words about the uh, Heat Spurs? No, I think it'll be a good series. I think it's funny. I think it's good that the Spurs finally play a, a marquee team in the finals that maybe more teams will get to see them in ratings. You know, they won't be playing for a bad ratings uh, during the finals like they always have been. <laughs> uh, and these snoozers. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's so funny, these Spurs fans. They they just have this such this little little man complex. <laughs> but you know, they they they've been such a successful franchise. I mean that they should just be happy that they have such a successful franchise. Oh, they're happy about that. They're just unhappy about how much or how little uh media attention they they get, or rather, they that they don't get. Yeah. Well, maybe if uh, Tim Duncan can uh, star in a a comedy film, uh, uh, like a Cream did in Airplane, maybe uh, Tim Duncan needs to do a, a Hangover cameo. <laughs> you think he'd do that? <laughs> maybe after he's retired. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's uh, that, that's worthless. We'll see. I guess time will tell. Uh, time will tell. Uh, well, all right. Let's go ahead and move on. Um, let's go ahead and uh, check out on movies. Uh, let's talk about uh, our one of our favorite franchises of all time in its sixth installment, Fast and Furious 6. Son, what did you think about that movie? Now, to be honest, I I liked it, but here's the but. I didn't think it was good as Fast Five. I thought the action sequences were not as good. Still great, but not as good. Um, you know, I don't know about where you watched the movie. I watched it in the I watched it in the theaters uh, opening weekend, and you know, okay, so we should say that there will be spoilers about the movie if you haven't seen it. You know, and you don't want to have your spoilers, you know. Now's a good time to uh, not listen to the rest of this podcast. Anyway, there was a there was a huge groan in the audience in the scene where Toretto, what's his name, Vin, Vin Diesel, catches uh, Letty jumping off the, what is it, a freeway midair? Yeah. Going, yeah. Uh, yeah, who knows, 120 miles per hour. Uh, yeah, and landing on top of a car, you know, as soon as he landed on the car, fifty uh, percent of the audience just groaned. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like it was, oh, yeah. It was too, un- too, un- too unbelievable. That might have been the most 
craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. Uh, that's actually my favorite scene in the movie. Um, that actually had the, where I watched it, that had the biggest laugh in the whole entire theater out of the entire movie. That was the biggest laugh is when uh, he caught her in midair and then landed on a car. And uh, Letty's first words were, how did you know that car was going to break our fall? <laughs> most re- how do you say something like that without laughing? I mean... This is the most incredible thing I think about that scene was how serious those actors were saying it without laughing. Yeah, I mean, really, she should have sustained multiple internal injuries. <laughs> oh, both of them should have been dead. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the, I, mean uh, I mean, the fact that they even caught each other is amazing in itself, how he perfectly timed that. <laughs> I mean, it's hard. It's hard enough to catch up with a a person carrying a football at the same time, driving 120 miles per hour while someone's being towed through the air after uh, having a tank stop, jumping off the tank. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah it's no, yeah, probably the most incredible uh, sequence of events in it. And uh, Fast and Furious franchise, uh, even more so than Dragon Year, who knows, 90 ton safe throughout uh, Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe the I believe they safe more than this. Yeah, I believe the safe more than I believe that that actually ha- uh, could happen that uh, without m- many uh, hitches or bumps, uh, just happened so perfectly. Uh, you, no, but well, you I, know, I, I the like car broke their fall, I guess. The car broke their fall, you know, but, you know, they probably would have still suffered a severe spinal injuries. <laughs> oh, it's, it's incredible. Um, uh, but it was a great film. One thing, though, I did, I, I missed about it is there was a really long monologue or a dialogue between the characters about something as like a, being a good father, or talking about you know, you know their parents in some way, or something, something really cheesy like that. You know, they just didn't have enough of that in this film, I think. Yeah, uh, I did like a you know a big surprise performance was Tyrese, who actually got a lot of big laughs when I was watching it. Uh, you know, he was really good in this movie. Yeah, I think it was actually Tyrese's best, I, I think his name is Tyrese, uh, best performance of all the ones he had during the franchise. Yeah, you know, he's really uh, fit really well into the comedic, you know, sidekick role. And, you know, he had a lot of good laughs in this movie. I mean, uh, you know, Tyrese, he really, he really hit a home run, I think. Yeah, I get Tyrese an A plus in this movie. <laughs> oh, for sure. He he was just wonderful throughout. I think he might have been my favorite character this time around. Yeah, he might have been my favorite. Oh, he's maybe the most enjoyable. Uh you know, I Ludacris was good, not as good as Tyrese. Uh I don't know why they had that scene of him going to the auction and making the auctioneer take all his pants all his clothes off. <laughs> 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 I, mean, that, I would have. 
screen. That, that took 10 minutes of the movie. <laughs> I mean, why did... Why was the, why was the rock and ludicrous hanging out? <laughs> I mean, they're just hanging out. Uh, they don't have anything better to do than mess around with this auctioneer. <laughs> I mean... Uh, uh, yeah, whatever. That's, that's great, though. I think it's a nice touch. <laughs> the, thing, the thing about this movie, you know, there aren't any as quotable lines as, uh, you know, Johnny Tran's uh, <laughs> you narc me speech. <laughs> oh, you know. <laughs> or the Toretto uh, Sunday barbecue <laughs> speech. <laughs> that, that, that barbecue speech. Or, uh, you know, the first one will always have the best lines and dialogue. Uh, they have the uh, yeah. five-minute uh, Vin Diesel speech about his dad uh, in a, dying in a car accident. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. that's for sure my favorite uh, dialogue in the whole film series. is when Toronto explains how his dad dies. Uh, next up is... <laughs> Will I be a good father scene? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, a lot of good scenes in the movies. Um, yeah, so this one, you're right. I think it lacks those uh, little moments, <laughs> but the action is really good, quite good. Uh, somewhat unbelievable. How long was that runaway at the end? Uh, who knows? Uh, <laughs> how much? I, they might have circled around six times. <laughs> How much runway did that plane need to take off? That's what I want to know. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, you know the, one of the cars they drove out of the hangar, and for some reason that car also had one of those grappling hook guns. <laughs> that ludicrous. <laughs> you know, I don't, I didn't know the bad guys had that too, but you know, it's fine. <laughs> Yeah, I can overlook plot holes. I almost overlook everything in this uh, series. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's just fun to think about, but um, I, I accept it. I, I, I reason out the uh, inconsistencies. Um, though one of my favorite scenes in the movie is after Vin Diesel drives his car through the fuselage of the airplane. I'm not sure how he gained enough speed to drive through five tons of steel, but after his car crash. <laughs> And into the fire. He, he walks out of the fire like the Terminator. <laughs> 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 I'm just waiting for him to walk out. Like, <laughs> um, you know, I like that scene a lot where he, he just walks out. I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> Not even yeah. You know, what's happening? Not even it's just going to be a, a metal exoskeleton. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> regenerating. So when you're watching a movie, uh, when you're watching a movie, I, I, I don't know about you, but almost every line in the beginning that Vin Diesel said was, uh, and you know, it made me laugh. In the inside, I wanted to laugh out loud, but I, I was afraid I would ruin the movie for other people. I mean, did you have that same kind of uh, reaction to his, uh, to his dialogue? Oh yeah, yeah. So there's some lines I, you know, I just I still laughed anyways. Um, it's because, you know, it's a pretty lively crowd. Um, we had a good, I think it was a good 15 or 30 second applause at the end of the movie. So yeah, it was a 
was a big fun crowd. Um, now I uh, I laughed once and I didn't hear anybody else laugh, so I didn't want to laugh anymore. <laughs> but that was too funny. His dialogue is there. Yeah. just so hard, hardcore. I just like how uh, at the end of the movie, The Rock and Vin Diesel are talking to each other, but they're not talking to each other or not facing each other. They're looking. They're standing like a foot apart, but looking over each other's shoulder <laughs> and talking to each other. <laughs> I mean, who talks like that? You stand right next to each other. You, look, you just stare straight ahead over their shoulder and talk. <laughs> it's just funny. Uh, funny. Yeah. That's great. Um, but, you know, like I said, great, great movie. <laughs> Very enjoyable. Can't wait for the next one with the uh, uh, Jason Statham. As oh, oh yeah, that was a, that, the after credit scene. Really, just got people wild. Yeah, that was a that was a good reaction to that as well in the audience where I was. I mean, I got really excited. I was like, oh okay, you know. I mean, after Han's girlfriend died, you, you know, everyone was really sad. You know, uh, there was a really big audible gasp when she died. Oh, you know, yeah. In our, our in, the, in my audience, there was a gasp as well. Yeah, it was like a really big shocker, and like people were upset. But you know, if if you follow the series, you know something bad had to happen to both of them. And uh, I'm finally happy that they finally tied in Tokyo Drift. And now they can start making a seven after. Now we know where Tokyo Drift finally is uh, in the canon. Yeah, seven. I mean, Tokyo Drift takes place after six. So now seven and forward uh, doesn't rely on uh, Lucas Black. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm pretty sure Lucas Black will come to play in this one. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, it'll be exciting to see this guy uh, age ten years. And, and supposedly <laughs> only be one, maybe days after, days after the events of Tokyo Drift. Right. I'm not to explain it, but yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I think I think Jason Statham taking a heel turn, far pressing phrase is going to be great, uh, especially in this franchise. Uh, you know, but of course, probably by the, the eighth one, that he'll probably be a good guy, just like The Rock is. <laughs> Rock, uh, yeah, uh, you know, and the thing is, I w- I actually rewatched the third one uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, you know, I always said to myself, oh, I I, I thought it was weird that Han just got hit by a random Mercedes Benz, and uh, you know, and his car blew up. I guess you know, you know, you just figure that cars blow up, but now. I wonder if, you know, Justin Lin always had this story in mind of how Han died was a retaliation for somebody that Vin Diesel killed in uh, Spain. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you thought of it, but I'm, I'm really happy of how it played out, and it works so well. You know, you always you always think DK killed him because, but even though DK didn't uh, actually hit him, you know, it was yeah. just it was 
You just think it's a random accident, but no, it was Jason Statham all along. Yeah, I, I don't know if Kesselman had the foresight uh, that this movie that he got able to direct that it's featured nobody from uh, the two previous movies that it would be successful enough to make a fourth movie that he would also be able to direct that would be successful and turn into a fifth and sixth movie that he would finally be able to tie in uh, a superstar <laughs> or maybe a star actor to uh, explain Han's death <laughs> in the closing credits. <laughs> yeah, it was, whatever it is, it's genius filmmaking. Um. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. Uh, although, I don't know if you know this, but Justin Lin won't be directing the next one. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, he's passing it on, you know, which, you know, which is good. You know, you need a fresh, a fresh feel for it. Um, and this person, I think, Worked with the Fast and Furious for a while. He's one of Justin Lin's assistants, so I think he'll keep keep with the uh, the feel of this, you know, um, kind of tongue in cheek uh, ridiculousness, but still keep like a serious and emotional core to it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, that's what I like about these movies. Yeah, it knows it's silly, but the actors play it so straight. <laughs> yeah, uh, you wonder if they're in. A, you wonder if they're in on the joke. Uh, it's, it's uh, you know, I think they are, but at the same time, I think, I think at this point, to, who knows? Yeah. At this point, I think they are in on the joke, but I don't think uh, years four, uh, one, two, three, and four, they work. <laughs> But yeah, I, I agree. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. A, you know, I go, yeah, street racing. <laughs> it doesn't involve uh, 600 DEA cops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah I, yeah, I will say that I was kind of disappointed Eva Mendez wasn't in this one. That's true. That's true. You know, they brought everybody back. You know, they even brought people back. They even brought Baraga, which I was surprised. Yeah, me too. If there's any cameo that I, I was least excited about, it was either Baraga or uh, Paul Walker's. <laughs> oh, his uh, buddy in states. Or yeah. Yeah. That. that... That's kind of weird, that whole sequence. I mean, they could have explained it much. Uh, I mean, they could have explained something, used another way to explain without doing that. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think, I think it was all right. I'm, I'm glad that Paul Walker had his own, you know, 10 minutes to shine on his own without, you know, all the other stars. Yeah, he got some, he got some face time. Yeah, you know, you have to, you have to. He's a, uh, one of the faces, the second face of the franchise. I mean, uh, you know, it almost feels like The Rock is almost eclipsing Paul Walker. Uh, yeah, almost. I still say Paul Walker is a bigger star in the movie. But yeah, The Rock, uh, he's a uh, he's he's climbing up the the power rankings next. <laughs> yeah, I would have liked to see more Jordana Brewster, but uh, you know, uh, I guess she can't. Yeah, they have to respect the fact that she has a child in the movie. But, um, you know, just like this Vin Diesel love triangle, how his uh, girlfriend was just so understanding that his old girlfriend 
had amnesia. Yeah, I thought that was kind of weird how how easily that was uh, explained, but you know, I, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> you know, I, that's what I like about it. Everyone's just so understanding. Like, yeah, I understand. Yeah, I get it. Okay, well, yeah. I guess I'll go back to being a cop with the rock. I mean, is the Rock still stationed in Brazil? Why, why are they still partners? <laughs> I, I don't know. I guess Interpol hired her or the DSS hired her uh, on a Rock's recommendation, even though his previous uh, assistant was a, a double-crossing agent. <laughs> yeah, and, that she, and she was like a, a known uh, yeah, I don't know, accomplice of, a, of a Vin Diva, who was like, a, you know, you needed to... He, had been extra <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's like, you know, the rock's like, okay. <laughs> I mean, I mean <laughs> how many of the rocks do they need to be a, a, a double agent? <laughs> I mean, the rocks should worry about this. I mean, she was a known associate of a, a super uh, uh, criminal <laughs> for however long. <laughs> but, you know, I, I like how it ends. I hope she's back in it. Um, you know, you know, it's it's like one big happy family. Everyone gets to be a part of it. Uh, nice way to tie things together, uh, which is the whole theme of the movie: family. Yeah. <laughs> family. Great film. Um, I guess the biggest surprise I is that it's still a seven point seven on IMDb. Oh gosh, that's pretty high. That's incredible. Oh, that really is incredible. Uh, I, I, can't, I can't believe how high that number is. <laughs> I mean, Fast Five, the better film, is only a seven point three. Yeah, I think it'll go down though. Yeah, I think once, once uh, the people, once teenagers stop voting on this and. Uh, yeah, you know, the adults, the older. But it won the weekend again, and um, and yeah, it's uh, you know, I just can't wait till the series wraps up and I can buy the box set Blu-ray special edition. Oh, the the ten the ten uh, disc Blu-ray pack. <laughs> And this Blu-ray pack with uh, 20 hours of extra footage of uh, Vin Diesel featurettes. <laughs> yeah, I just can't. I mean, they really could make 10. I mean, it feels like this franchise is only getting started. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like, oh, they got a lot of stories to tell. I mean, they they have the entire Japan story to tell. Uh, you know, they haven't they haven't been to China yet. We haven't been to the Middle East, Africa. They got, they got, they got a lot of continents to cross. Gosh, Australia, who knows? Oh yeah, Australia. Seems like a nice place for them to hang out. Let's see. Uh, you know, they could always introduce new characters. You know, Jason Statham. Uh, maybe Liam Neeson comes in. <laughs> To play as Jason Statham's dad. Oh, gosh. 
I think the next one, I think the family will be done with that after the next one. Well, so we'll see. It's, you know, and Ludacris' turn as the smartest man alive continues uh, from mechanic to computer genius. Yeah, I don't know. I, don't know. I mean, they, I, don't, I don't know how they did that. They just rewrote him as a computer genius. At least to bring back Ja Rule, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. That'd be really that'd be really nice to have Ja Rule cameo. Once Ja Rule gets out of jail, of course. But, but what a franchise. And uh, what an ending. I mean, I'm excited for the next one. Yeah, that little teaser uh, was a really good teaser. Probably the best teaser I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. No, better than the Avengers teaser. Or yep. not right. Avengers, Iron Man. Or even uh, the Green Lantern teaser. <laughs> <laughs> That's just... Uh... <laughs> well... All right, then. Um, is there anything else? No. I just uh, I'll probably want to be this man of speed, but, you know, anything else? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, um, I guess a quick side note. Uh, we have to say our condolences to Will Smith and Jada Smith's uh, career as big-budget movie stars. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, I think it's the M. Night Shyamalan stink on it. That's all. <laughs> I think people are just tired of Will Smith's nepotism and the fact that, you know, whatever happened to this really fun, charismatic, funny guy that we all knew, and now he's just this guy in a wheelchair. And a smaller, yeah. angry guy. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, we're fun, you know, past four or five movies he's been in, you know, he hasn't been this fun guy that we all really enjoy. And uh, Oh, yeah. You know, like I said, it's two. Well, he didn't make Men in Black 3. Oh, yeah, that's right. I liked Men in Black 3. I haven't seen it, but I, I don't know. I liked it, but it was, it was you know, forgettable. Yeah, you could tell. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully Will Smith gets back. Um, he did. I don't know if you've seen this, but uh, on one of those shows in Britain, he uh, did the Fresh Prince rap, and then with a uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff, and then he brought in Carlton to sing uh, Tom Jones and do the Carlton dance with uh, Alfonso Ribeiro. Wait, who did this? Oh, uh, Will Smith. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, he has that fun, charismatic personality on on interview shows, but when it comes to movies, you know, it's, it's not there. Well, not as recent ones, except for Men Back 3, which I haven't seen. People love Will Smith, uh, Fresh Cut, <laughs> about their... Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, Will Smith is a very bankable movie star, but, you know, after, I, I, you know, I, I'm a big Will Smith fan, you know, but I didn't really have much of a desire to see this movie. Oh, me neither. I, he's a fun guy, you know, he's just, uh, he's picking the wrong movies, it seems like. Yeah, 
Yeah. Well, well, we'll see. You know, hopefully this next project's uh, uh, more enjoyable. Well, uh, anything you got to plug there? No, I, I think I'm good. All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening to Pen Weekly, and have a great day. Thank you. Thank you.